series on the summer in the Psalms. And uh, it's kind of funny. I was looking for a cool graphic, and I learned that there's a lot of churches that do a summer in the Psalms series. So uh, that's not plagiarism. We just borrow from each other, folks. So, uh, and uh, if you think that I make those graphics, you are uh, okay. Uh, So (laughs) grab your Bibles or Click to your Bible, whatever way you've got it. If you don't have a Bible, I'll have all my scriptures on the screen today. Um, And it is Father's Day. I thought it'd be uh, appropriate today for us to be able to uh, take a look at how important it is uh, to have Christ-centered homes. Christ-centered homes. And no matter what stage you are in your life, uh, that's a message for each and every one of us. Whether, whether you are the model family in here, uh, or maybe you're not, whatever that is, however you want to define that, uh, there's ways that we can go about trying to make sure that Jesus is at the center of our homes and in our life. And we're going to talk about that today. So the title of my message is uh, A Holy Fixer-Upper. A Holy Fixer-Upper. And I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127, A Holy Fixer-Upper today. I I, I was trying to look for a catchy title. I, I, I will confess to you the title is usually the hardest part of my message to come up to be creative with for whatever reason. And uh, so I was like, you know, yeah, let's look through all the, you know, the, the one or two or three home improvement shows that are on TV. Whoa, there's like 30 of them. I mean, it's incredible how many home improvement shows there are. How many of you, you get into that? that that's, that's your thing. Just flip this house or uh, or how many of you? How many of you look at it and say, "Boy, we need to learn how to do something like that." And I, you know, for me, home maintenance, changing the light bulb, and even then, I, you know, I'm watching a YouTube video to make sure I get it right. Uh, others of you, you you just have a knack for that. Oh, I, I I'm kind of jealous of you, and so I think it's great. Well, all of us here, okay? How many of you know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And so all of us, we can do some work, we can do some things to make our temple uh, better than what it is. And that, as we do some things personally, that will lead then to Jesus actually being more at the center of our homes as well. And I think this is not going to be a... You know what some pastors do on Father's Day? It's like... They do Mother's Day. Mothers, you're so wonderful. Mothers, you're so great. Father's Day, beat you up with an ugly stick. I'm not going to do that today, okay? Uh, I I don't do that. So this is for everybody here that we can learn uh, from God's Word uh, how we can apply some things to our homes. Um, So Psalm uh, Psalm 127, and we're going to start in verse 1. If you're able to, would you stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read this together? Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1. Y'all ready? Again, you can follow the screen. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, uh, the guards stand watch in vain. 
In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that we would know the importance of having you very much involved in building the house. So, Lord, we dare not do this stuff without you. So speak to us to that effect. And give us a renewed desire and passion to do things your way. And I'll thank you, and we'll give you praise. And it's in your name we ask this. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So this message is for uh, the, the family of five. Uh, this message is for the grandparents in here. This message is for the young person that has not even come close to entering that stage of life yet. This, this message is for those who might live by themselves. This is for every single one of us here today. Uh, But specifically, on this Father's Day, I believe that the Lord has a lot to say about our homes and our families. I will tell you this right now, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. In fact, you will see that some of my concerns are very valid. Uh, I believe that there is a spiritual attack against families. The devil hates it, and the devil is trying hard to destroy it, and I firmly believe that it has intensified greatly uh, recently. Now, verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5, I should say, verses 3 through 5 tell us how much of a blessing children are to uh, our lives, Uh, and... uh, I want to show those scriptures again, uh, just so we can uh, review that. Children are a heritage from the Lord. So listen to me. There is not one accident in this place. I'm going to say it again. You are not an accident. I don't care what your parents said. I don't care what your siblings say. You're not an accident. You were created by God for a purpose. And God has a plan for you. When you were born, God didn't say, oh, now what? You know, he, he's got a plan for you. So children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and nieces and nephews, they, they are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring is a, re, is a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. If you don't know what a quiver is, that's what you would hold the arrows in. It's this whole bow and arrow uh, type of descriptive talk that, that uh, actually Solomon, by the way, is the one that wrote this particular psalm. Uh, then Solomon goes on, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents uh, in court. Uh, it, it, it's a literal picture that Solomon is painting where sometimes there would be confrontations at, at a city gate, okay? And a man 
might be at a city gate and an outside enemy might bring a few friends with him, but then the picture is having all of his kids behind him kind of looking at the enemy on the other side of the gate and saying, what are you going to do about it? Uh, I'm, I'm an oldest brother, which means I am a, the smarter and you get it. And uh, even still today, I've got this protective nature about my brothers. And uh, when we were little, man, I, I would, I, I knew if the bully picked on my brothers, no, 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 big brother. Have I mentioned to you that I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, by the way? So, we would try out our moves sometimes on the bully. One time there's this guy named Eugene who was picking, I shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to, it's Father's Day. And, and just picking on my brothers constantly. He'd ride his bike and make him cry. You know, and I thought, oh no, we're not going to do this anymore. So I told Tim, the youngest, I said, Tim, you just stay over there. Matt, come here. <laughs> Famous last words when you say, Matt, come here. And uh, we saw Eugene coming, and we both stood on one side of the side. The kids are gone, right? Okay, good. And uh, <laughs> we both stood on one side of the, of the, of the sidewalk, and uh, we saw Eugene coming again in all of his glory, trying to pick on Tim or one of, one of my little brothers. I said, okay, take my hand. And at that moment, you ever see those pro wrestling clotheslines? You ever see that? Do you know how awesome it is when you do it to somebody on a bike? Oh, man. And we're just, boom, knocked him off his bike. He had a banana seat. It was awesome. All over the place. He cries all the way home. I said, goodbye, Eugene. What am I saying? You see, that's the picture. Pick on one of us. Hmm. Let's say you pick on all three of the Andersons. And that, that now you see, and Eugene never bothered us anymore, at least not up close. What am I trying to say? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> children are, we can edit that out, right, Keith? Okay. Uh, children are a heritage from the Lord. Families, that, that's how God intended it. God, God wants the families with Him at the center. When we're, when we're divided, that's, that's, that's bad. But when we're together, that's something special. You know, it's just like the church, by the way. When, when, when God puts the church together, together, we're a force. And when the enemy tries to come and bully one of us, we can just pray. We, we can join hands and pray and just say, uh-uh, not here, not now. We're going to take care of you, bully, and we're going to pray, and that... When you submit to God, you resist the devil, and what does he do? He flees from you. So it's this togetherness that I want to see in our church, and I believe we have in our church. It also needs to exist in our families. And I believe that the enemy is at work trying to chip away at that. So what's our response? What's our response? Well, we just need to vote the right people in. Let me tell you, if you're putting your faith in a political party, 
or political candidate, you are in for a lot of disappointment. I don't care what side you vote on. They're all a train wreck. We can't rely on an elected leader to bring spiritual awakening in our country. That has to come from the house of God. And if we want to see it in the house of God, then our personal homes have to be full of God's Spirit as well. So I want to give you three truths today from this passage, specifically in verses 1 and 2, that I think that we need to keep in mind if we want to build our house, if we want to fix our house, not physically, but, but spiritually, what should we keep in mind from our text here today? I want to show that to you. Number one, here's the first truth we need to know. Number one, God supplies. It is God who supplies. God supplies. Look again at the first half of verse 1. It says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We'll stop there for now. Unless the Lord builds the house. Now, does that mean that we don't do any building? No, because there's a role for builders. Do you see that? So Solomon's not saying, guys, put down your hammers. There's no building. God's going to do it all himself. You don't have to do any effort whatsoever. That's not what the psalmist is saying. What the psalmist is saying is that, okay, builder, if you're going to build the house, then God has to be very much involved in the process. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We dare not try to build the house without the dramatic influence of God himself. If God's not involved in it, then our efforts are in vain. We dare not try to do this alone. We need God's help. See, we rely on Him in our building of our homes. We rely on Him in our building of our homes. I just prayed for all the dads. Dads, you, you can't do this on your own strength. Regardless of whatever your situation is, whether it's the quote ideal one or maybe it's a very difficult one, we dare not try to do this parenting thing without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need His wisdom. We need His strength. Oh my goodness, we need His patience, don't we, dads? Well, I do. <laughs> I believe that God gives us all that we need to lead our homes in a biblical way. Some might say, well, this is the way I was raised, and so that's how they're going to get raised. Well, not necessarily. What does God have to say about that? And may I tell you, families, that God may give you a situation that is way different than what you grew up with. I grew up with a single mom for the most part. Okay, uh, Annette and I, uh, this Friday, is it Friday? Saturday? This weekend. 
This weekend, we're celebrating 34 years of marriage, she and I are, yeah. <laughs> Give that lady a medal, let me just tell you, okay? Oh my goodness, what she puts up with. Uh, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen because I have all this charm and charisma. That happens because God's involved in it. Because I've not always been the best husband. I've not always been the best father. I've not always been the best pastor. I've not always been the best brother. I've not always been the best anything. And the only way, through my efforts, that I could see, quote, success or fruit come out of that is if the Lord is very much involved in it. Every decision, God should be involved in it. Don't be buying a house without asking what God thinks. Don't make some major... I think I've shared this before. I had a guy one time stand up. He said, I can't believe that God would let me buy that car that I can't afford. That's not how it works. Okay, what, you know, if you're going to make a major decision, you go to God with that thing. You ask Him, okay, God, I, I need your peace on this. Lord, show me. Show me the way that it needs to go. God has to be involved. Folks, I need His every week, every day. I need His strength. I need His wisdom. I need His patience. I need His peace. I need... Some of us, we need it every single day, don't we? We wake up and say, oh God, okay, here we go. Here we go, I need you. And that's fine. There is no greater place for you to be than at a place of total dependence on God. Unless the Lord builds the house, then the laborers labor in vain. Unless God is in our efforts, then our efforts are in vain. So it's God who supplies everything that we need. Number two, not only does God supply, God also supports. Here we go. First of all, look at the second half of verse one. The first half said, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now the second part. Unless the Lord watches over the city... The guards stand watch in vain. So the Lord supports us in protecting our families. We, we rely on Him to protect our families. Now, I'm going to say some things. It's going to tick somebody off. Okay? What I have to share with you is truth. And I'm going to give you specific examples from our culture for you to see the onslaught of attack on our kids. And someone's going to get mad. Okay, I'm looking at the camera. So they might be online, okay? Inevitably, when I do something like this, someone stops watching or they leave the church. I've had people leave the church because I'm telling the truth, okay? I don't want you to leave, but I'm not going to stop telling the truth, okay? 
But there is an onslaught against our families. And specifically at our children. And we have got to protect our kids and our grandkids and our church kids and the people that we love. We've got to shelter them and protect them from this stuff. And we can only do it with the Lord's help. Can I give you some examples? <laughs> Let me point you to, first of all, a family-friendly drag show. That's like jumbo shrimp, right? How do those terms go together? A family-friendly drag show. Since when has having a bunch of drag queens do really disgusting dances become family-friendly? I'll wait. Well, you know, we just need to be open. No. Stop. Stop it. (laughs) By the way, if, if, if you're watching this and you're gay, okay, we love you. We do. We love you. We love you. I am able through God's word, to separate one's choice and their identity. Your identity is not whom you are attracted to. I should say that again. Your identity is not whom you are attracted to. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Your identity is what the Bible says about you. That's what your identity is. It's not, what you're, it's not what or whom you're attracted to. And now I get all these pronouns. And, and I mean, I can't keep up with all these genders and pronouns. So let me just simplify it for you. God made everybody male and female. Two genders. Two genders. God made everybody. I'll back up. If you could find one scripture verse that gives a positive anything about homosexuality. I'll preach it next Sunday. You can't. You can't. And what has happened? Our media and our entertainment culture has become incredibly consumed with this form of immorality. And it is everywhere in Hollywood. It is everywhere in Hollywood, and it's just getting worse. And by the way, if you're gay, are you happy that this has shipwrecked your cause? Are you okay with that? Because the gay people that I know don't dress like that and act like that. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, that's not all. Blue's Clues, with a drag queen character on Blue's Clues. Wow. You think that's being marketed to 30-year-olds? 
That's, that's Nickelodeon kids. Speaking of Nickelodeon, they are celebrating Pride Month. That's a screenshot right from the TV station geared for children. So you might watch SpongeBob for a little bit, then you're going to see this. It's an onslaught at our kids. Why are they trying so hard? Because they know if they can get the kids, they've won. Listen, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. You might want to write that down. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. Here's another one. You're saying, Pastor, please stop. Almost done. Drag Queen Story Hour. Libraries all across the nation are having drag queens come and read stories to our children. I can't even get into a school. Are you hearing me? Does this bother anybody? Here's a photo that doesn't seem so bad at first. This family, this family of four, if you notice the person on the right, uh, his name is Ryland, Fox News, Fox News, the bastion of conservatism, had a four or five minute video story celebrating the fact that this family allowed the boy on the right to transition from being a girl to a boy. And they began the process at the age of five. The mother told Fox News that even before their daughter could speak, she could see in her infant eyes how painful it was for her to even wear feminine clothes. So they decided that their child must be trans. Okay, that's like saying my cat is a vegan. We all know who made that choice. So it's everywhere. I will tell you, the stamp of approval for all of this is beginning. It's not beginning. It's hit certain parts of the church. And again, this is why I say, and and I'm not just picking on one group of people here today, but it is Pride Month. And so listen to me when I tell you this, that the concerted, deliberate effort to expose our children to the things that you're seeing. If this disturbs you, imagine, imagine the many images that your children are getting on social media, on the internet, on cable, at school, all the the time. What does God do? He supports. He supports us so that we can rely on Him to protect our children. Now, I'm not saying we have to be Amish. 
Okay, I'm not saying that we have to, to, to like, let's just hide in our, in our four walls and never come out and, and always wear helmets and wrap ourselves in bubble wrap and, and, and amen. I'm not saying that because even in the midst of all this darkness, God has called us to be light. And we have to teach our children. This is what the Bible says. It's not your opinion. They're going to get opinions. They're going to get well-thought-out opinions. Can we equip the next generation to say, okay, this is what the Bible says. Look, I love you. I disagree with you. And by the way, it is possible to disagree with somebody and love them. And, 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 and okay, here, here's where the messages are going to come, okay? Yeah, you're hateful. You're spewing hate. No. Remember what I said before? We love every single person that's caught up in this lifestyle. We love them because they need Jesus as much as I do. And it is, and, and, and I'm going to look right at the camera, it is a lazy argument to suggest that anybody who disagrees with you is hateful. That's a lazy argument. Argue your point or stop with the personal attacks. It's not hate. It's Bible. It's not hate. It's Bible. I know what the Word says. And so we have to live according to the word. And even if our society says it's okay, the Bible says it's not. And so who are we going to follow? We're going to follow the word of God. Is this too rough? This generation needs protected. Grandma and grandpa, you pray over those grandkids. You, you, just, you put truth in them, man. Mom and Dad, you pray for those kids before you let them out to go to school. I'm, you pray for those kids. Pray with those kids. Jonathan knew when I took him to school, no matter what he was doing, my hand, when, when, when he'd sit in the back seat when he was too little to be in the front, he'd see my, which was like a week ago. And, and I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so sorry. And I'd reach my hand in the back. He'd see my hand. He knew it was prayer time. He knew. And then when he was on the front seat, every day, every day. Okay, let's pray. I'd pray for his protection. I'd pray for the angels to surround that school. I would pray that God would keep him from harm. I would pray that God would be with him. And, 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 and are you hearing me today? There's nothing wrong with being spiritually real with our families. Don't just be really spiritual, be spiritually real. That's how we protect our kids. That's how we protect our homes. And, we, and we, we can't do it by just saying, no, 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 there, there, there. We've got to have the Lord's help and his values and his word to protect our families. Are you hearing me today? Please don't be upset with me. Don't be upset with me. I love you too much to not give you the truth even at the risk of being rejected by you, I will tell you the truth because I got to stand before God someday. I got to stand before God someday. Okay, I'm done. I'm not done. Here's my last point. God supplies, God supports. Lastly, the last promise we can have is the fact that God sustains us. God supplies, God supports, God sustains. 
He supplies by giving us everything that we need to build the house in a biblical manner. He supplies, I'm sorry, he supports us with his protection in a crazy world to give biblical guidance and boundaries to our families. And then finally, he sustains us. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Some of you like that verse because this is where you get a lot of your sleep. It's right here in this room. <laughs> no matter how hard I try. And they all act like you're praying. It's like, oh, and just, I know all the tricks. But he sustains us. We rely on him for our rest. We rely on him for our rest. I want you to know that uh, you, are, you are looking at a self con- self-confessed uh, workaholic who struggles with guilt for resting. Yep. <laughs> my wife is amening me because <laughs> she sees it, and my son's right next to her on that. I've somehow got it in my head that if I don't wear myself completely down doing God's work, I've somehow failed God. And the Lord has been helping me incredibly in the last number of years to recognize that there is a biblical value to getting Christ-like rest. Did you know that God rested after He created the entire world? And I don't think he did that because he was tired. (laughs) I think he did that as an example to us. That there is a time that we need to cut ourselves off and get rest. You say, oh, I'm too busy to rest. Okay, you're too busy. Then you're too busy. Because God is not... I am not going to stand before God for him to say, well done, thou productive servant. That's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, well done, thou, hopefully, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Good and faithful. I'm convinced that this culture is in serious need of rest. The kind of rest that God can give us, where we are sustained by the Lord. I think there's a strengthening that comes from the Lord that many of us need to latch on to. Jesus even said it in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you everything you want. That's not what he said. I will give you rest. Even when God was giving the promises to his people as they were going to the promised land, he said this to Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. He said this, 
the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I think the church has become a little worn down. I think our culture is really worn down. We've convinced ourselves that activity equals productivity. And the more activity we have, the more productivity we have. And really, I've seen people do a lot of things and end up doing nothing. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll put it to you this way. Have you ever had somebody talk to you on and on and on and on? Well, yeah, I'm experiencing that right now, Pastor. Okay. Have you ever, I'm talking about a one-on-one conversation. Work with me here. Uh, have, have you ever had somebody, ever have somebody just talk? And it's like, what are you saying? It's, 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 I have no idea. I've been in conversations where like 15 minutes, you know, all I, I didn't get a word in edgewise. And somebody said, what'd you guys talk about? I'd say, I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm exhausted. Well, the same thing sometimes with our activity. Sometimes we get caught up in doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and, and, and maybe we don't really accomplish much. And God has really spoken to me about being very deliberate in getting rest. Because I am no good to you if I am worn down every single Sunday. And by the way, I work other days besides Sunday. Some of you don't know that. I'm no good to you if I'm worn down every single day of the week. I've got to rest. I take a Sabbath. I take every Thursday is my day off. Uh, and, and, and that's where I typically cut myself off from church work, totally. Well, don't we deserve all your attention? No. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't. Uh, the, I mean, you'll get a, most of it, okay? Trust me, after my family. But, but you know, listen, uh, there, there's times where I follow God's example. And I get rest. And I... I golf, which some of you think is more stressful than work, and the way I play sometimes it is, but I digress. Or, or I just chill with my family. And that's, that's a powerful thing. Because the Lord energizes me. He, he actually gives me strength when I'm resting. When I'm resting. So many verses in the scripture about getting rest. We do ourselves no favors by trying to do so much that we're not there for our family, that we're not there for our homes. I told somebody this week, I said, when I entered the ministry, I made the decision that I refuse to sacrifice my family on the altar of any church's expectations. I will not do that. And I am a better pastor because of that. I'm not the best pastor, but I'm better because I got my priorities correct. So hear me today. And I'm going to, Jonathan, if you can help me out. 
we're trying to fix this thing up. We're trying to get our families the way they should be biblically. And for some of you, maybe, maybe the biggest thing that you can, you can do is to be deliberate with God's help and just getting rest. Getting rest. Truly taking a Sabbath. Truly letting God strengthen you. Because I can't do this stuff on my own. I can't, dads, I can't lead my family on my own. I got to have God's strength. I can't pastor this church on my own. I got to have God's wisdom. I got to have his help. And I need his strength and I need his rest. My prayer for you, as we talked about this holy fixer-upper, that you would realize that your efforts are in vain unless God supplies the strength to you, unless God sustains your family by protecting them the way he wants you to protect them, and God sustains you with the rest that he promises you. That is available to you. Can we stand, please? Did you get anything out of this today? So I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. And again, you might be saying, well, I live by myself, Pastor. Oh, but understand that you still have an influence. There's people around you that God has put in your place and in your position. And, and that's by design. God has been very deliberate about that. He, he's doing that for a purpose and for a reason. And, and so this prayer is for you as well as God helps us walk this thing out and live this thing out here. And my prayer for you is that God would truly supply everything that you need, that he would sustain you by protecting your homes and that he would give you the rest that you need. Would you pray with me? God, I come to you now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, build your house. (laughs) God, unless you're in it, it's in vain. All my efforts, all my bright ideas, it's nothing without you. So Lord, I, I ask you that you would provide for everybody here today what we need in our homes to be Jesus-centered. God, I pray that you would protect our families. Protect our kids, God. Protect our kids. The enemy wants to, the enemy wants them. We refuse to give up on our kids. We will fight in prayer for them, God. We will lead the way for them, Lord God. And Jesus, I just pray for rest across this place. Strengthen your people. Give them rest, Lord Jesus. May we not be so consumed with doing as much as we should be consumed with being. So, Lord, I pray for every house, every home, every family. May you be at the center. I pray for miracles. I pray for amazing things to take place that we've never seen before. And Jesus will thank you. And it's in your name. 
And we all said, amen. Amen. Dads, happy Father's Day. We love you. Make sure you grab your gift on the way out.